listening to Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on The Punch Out on Breakthrough News, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we always are here with you today on Tuesday, the 26th of January in 2021. It's Republic Day in India. It's the founding, the anniversary of the founding of the country. And we'll be talking some about Republic Day in India. And we'll get back to that. We're also going to be talking about post-election turmoil continuing in the country of Uganda and billionaires profiteering in a major way. But like I said before, it's Republic Day in India. Uh, well, coming to a close over there, it's still the 26th here in the United States. But nevertheless, Indian farmers who have been mounting massive protests for two months in the nation's capital did something big today on Republic Day. And yes, those were the sounds of protest of Indian farmers in the nation's capital of New Delhi today as tens of thousands of farmers streamed into the city on the anniversary of the nation's founding to protest the implementation of the detrimental laws governing, or implementation of detrimental laws, I should say, not the, but a set of three detrimental laws governing agriculture. Uh, As you can hear from the sounds, they were protesting and there was some brutal repression. After two months of camping outside of the city, blocking major roadways, demanding that three specific anti-farmer laws be repealed, the farmers used this Republic Day to launch a large-scale tractor protest into the center of the city, a big tractor caravan, and they were joined by many people from all sorts of organizations, including communist students, by the way, who've been making a big contribution. But people came in tractors, cars, on foot, on horses, even uh, motorbikes, the whole nine to be there to support the farmer's occupation. The right-wing government of Narendra Modi, the prime minister there, has been trying to push through these laws. They set up all sorts of elaborate security to attempt to basically contain the impact of the protests and prevent them from outshining the official activities for Republic Day that are put on every year by the government. And in that, they totally failed Despite attempts to use tear gas to break up tractor caravans, the farmers streamed into the city anyway. They swarmed the iconic Red Fort, the former seat of the Mughal Empire, and a major landmark there in Delhi, and the site where the prime minister ceremoniously raises the nation's flag every year on Republic Day. And... You know, quite frankly, it's no surprise that the liberal use of tear gas and batons failed to curtail these farmers. One of their slogans, in fact, is that they will win or they will die. 
which just speaks to how crucial the issue is. And when you understand these laws, you can understand them. The three laws make big changes in India's agricultural landscape. Right now, smaller farmers have some level of protection uh, because from the vagaries of the agricultural markets because of legal restrictions on private traders. So farmers sell their produce to the government for a minimum price, which, since it's set politically, is at a level that makes it something of a minimum wage for farmers maybe as a way to think about it and understand it. And the new bills would relax these restrictions. They would allow private traders into rural areas, which means farmers would be totally subjected to the whims of the market and with no minimum price safety net, uh, they could easily be wiped out just because prices dropped. And the more there's private traders, the less rationale there is for government trading houses, the more they cut back on that, and the more farmers have their safety net ripped away and are completely exposed to being completely and totally destroyed uh, on just the whim of the market, the whim of the traders. So you can see what's really happening here. What these three agricultural laws would do was make it so that there is no guarantee at all that farmers can ply their trade and survive. Hence the slogan that they're willing to fight or and if they don't win, they're willing to die because essentially that is what they're facing, the destruction of their livelihood and their families and their communities. It's that serious. It's that real. These farmers' protests have rocked the country. They've gained huge support from all sorts of sectors. And to essentially take the capital, which is what they did on Republic Day, it's a powerful statement about how their struggle has become a focal point of almost all the resistance to the Modi regime. And they've tried everything from bribery to tricks to violence and fake concessions to crush this farmers' movement. And not only have they failed to stop them, but they seemingly have only awakened more resistance. The 660 billionaires in the United States saw their wealth increase $1.1 trillion during the pandemic, and that's a rise of 29% since March, according to new research from the Institute for Policy Studies. The combined wealth of these billionaires is now $4.1 trillion. The sheer number of them has increased too. Out of the 660 billion, 46 of them are newly minted pandemic billionaires, making billions on the backs of the COVID-19 pandemic. Just Wow. How to conceive of some of these big numbers. They're huge numbers. Trillions of dollars. What is that? We've never had trillions of dollars. Well, here's a few ways to think about it. First off, the bottom half of Americans, that's the 50% of people, if you cut income in half, right? The bottom 50%. Uh, they have $2.1 trillion in wealth. It's 165 million people, $2.1 trillion in wealth. So these 660 people have almost double the wealth of half of the country. One other way to look at it is that Joe Biden's recent proposal for the economy and virus prevention, everyone's talking about that, right? That's $1.9 trillion. The CARES Act, the big uh, bailout, uh, stimulus, whatever you want to call it, from earlier in 2020, that was $2 trillion some odd dollars. And when you put that together, you note that these American billionaires could have footed the entire bill and still had wealth equal to or greater than 165 million people. In fact... They could have nearly paid for both and still had huge sums of money left. Um, but nevertheless, either one, so it gives you a sense. Here's another way to look at it. In 2019, total rent in the United States was roughly $519 billion. So these 660 people could pay the cost of canceling all rent in the United States and still have over $3 trillion left in wealth. That, again, would be hundreds of billions of dollars more wealth than the bottom half of America, or 165 million people. 
Some estimates say that state and local governments could be facing a tax shortage of something like $400 billion or more, dollars, which could obviously easily be covered by these 660 billionaires with $4.1 trillion in wealth. They literally could prevent any public sector job cuts or any cuts to social programs at the state and local level in the entire country. Look, you obviously get the point here. We have mass accumulation of misery, poverty, death, and destruction for hundreds of millions of people. While for the tiny little group of billionaires that control most of society's wealth, they have, I mean, you got to laugh because it's so absurd. It's so un criminal. I mean, what? Really, I'm just reading what I am even looking at here. I mean, I, I'm sorry to go off the thing, but think about it. Think about this, that you have the accumulation of misery for tens of millions of people and for billionaires, times have never been better. This is actually some of what Marx himself said was endemic to capitalism. Yeah, I'll be that guy. I'll quote Marx. Accumulation of wealth at one pole means the accumulation of misery at the other. Well, listen to what we're just talking about. That sounds about right to me. He also said that the only way out was socialism. Well, seems like a prudent time to listen to that advice, too. <laughs> Well, if you ever needed more evidence of the hypocrisy of Western nations on human rights issues, look no further than Uganda. Uganda's recently passed elections caught international attention really towards the end of last year and the early part of this year as the challenger Bobby Wine mounted a spirited youth-based challenge to Yari Museveni, who has led the country since 1986. Wine's movement was speaking to a broader generational movement sweeping the continent, demanding change to the failed development models of the post-colonial era, most of which have totally failed, or at least mainly failed, to address the major issues of the more or less neo-colonial setup, which makes sure the majority of the wealth flows to the global north, Swiss bank accounts, and the like, as opposed to helping the majority of people. Museveni's crackdown on wine's movement was pretty brutal throughout the entire campaign. In fact, at one protest in favor of Bobby Wine, 54 people were killed here. Uh, wine, uh, actually, also, after the campaign was over, they put him under house arrest for multiple days, wouldn't let people in weren't even letting food and things like that in. They had shut down the internet. That's back on. Bobby Wine has used the internet to show videos of ballot stuffing or what's alleged ballot stuffing. And, you know, I, I, it's alleged, but quite frankly, nobody other than the Ugandan government is making much of a strong claim that the election was fair. And quite frankly, even the government statements are... <laughs> To use the British phrase, quite cheeky. I mean, for instance, uh, when Bobby Wine was put under house arrest, I said, well, oh, no, 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 it's not house arrest. They're there to protect him. I mean, it's so absurd. It's almost like a wink and a nod. Like, yeah, obviously what you think is going on is going on, but what are you actually going to do about it. Uh, so again, no one really making any strong claims about this election. I mean, it really is, is unbelievable in so many ways. I mean, the British uh, 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 government, the American government, I, I mentioned the British government, I'll get to this, just made some insane claims but uh, about Uganda. But think about what they've done with Hong Kong. I mean, the only protester to die in Hong Kong wasn't even killed by the police. And yet and still, the people who run the, cities, the, the city of Hong Kong are being treated like just bloodthirsty dictators. And Uganda, the guy can shoot 54 people at a protest and, you know, no sanctions. I mean, even, you know, the, the statements against it are uh, the, the shooting against the rigging of the elections, all of that from the United States uh, and many others are so soft. It's unbelievable. But they'll put sanctions on Hong Kong. They'll try to, you know, destroy the economy of Hong Kong. They'll try to isolate Venezuela. Uh, they'll denounce the Bolivian elections in 2019, which were clearly free and fair as fraudulent. But then you have things like the uh, foreign 
office in the United Kingdom saying about the Uganda election that they welcomed the relatively calm passing of the elections. Wow. Wow. I mean, really? I mean, these were people, the same people, the same foreign office who said there were serious concerns and that they didn't believe the Bolivian elections in 2019, obviously free and fair, were fair. So, I mean, you really can't look the hypocrisy any more directly in the face as we see with the way Uganda is being treated vis-a-vis many other countries that are announced for being undemocratic here. I mean, the contrast is so obvious, I'd say it's insulting. Clearly, all the rhetoric about human rights and democracy from the U.S. and the U.K. is all BS. They just deploy it against those they hate when they want to for their own agenda, and they look the other way when the offender is someone who's going to roll with the Washington, London, Brussels agenda all the way. All that being said, of course, Bobby Wine and his movement are vowing to press on here. They're saying they're going to lead protests in the country. So despite all the attempted repression with the connivance of the major Western countries, it seems certainly possible that the elections may not be the last word on the issue of who rules Uganda. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 